Hi, I'm Piper. And I'm Erin. Welcome to Off the Tracks Podcast, where we explore what it means to do law differently. Shevin Comic, who also goes by Sebastian, is the manager of legal initiatives at the 519, a Toronto-based organization committed to the health, happiness, and full participation of 2S LGBTQ plus communities. In this role, Shevin is responsible for overseeing the administration of the 519's existing legal clinics and services, legal education work, and other access to justice initiatives. Shevin is a Jamaican native who relocated to Canada in 2015 as a refugee claimant. Shevin is a Leo and a lover of the nature and outdoors. Okay, so we have been having so much fun chatting that I said, okay, we, like, we need to get started like actually recording. Um, so we are so excited to have Chevin here, who goes by Sebastian, and we were just talking a little bit about names. And so I think it's really important to talk about, like, I think names are a huge part of our identity and a part of our identity that sometimes gets, like, ignored or we change to accommodate other people and um, and sometimes to accommodate ourselves in different stages of our lives. And I was wondering, Kevin, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit, if you're comfortable, and I'm putting you on the spot. So if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about your name and, and how you identify with your name and, and the different forms it's kind of taken over the past few years. And then I promise we'll get into some of the other questions that we've already talked about. Okay, sure. Um, I'd be happy to, to, to provide you with some context to names that I've used um, within the last little while particularly since I relocated to Canada. So my given name is Shevin, Shevin Komok. However, um, since I moved to Canada, which was in about 2015, um, I, I started using a different name, and this is Sebastian. So anyone in my community, in terms of in my queer community, uh, folks who I work with, would know me as Sebastian Komok. Oftentimes, I'd be on the road or somewhere, and I'd see an individual or hear my hear Shevin. And once I hear that name, I feel, oh, this is someone that knows me prior to moving here. And with the name change, one of the reasons I I I I I, I opted to to do an uh, an unofficial name change was, as I mentioned, I moved here in 2015 as a refugee claimant. And when I moved here, I was I wasn't sure that um, I would be granted uh, refugee protection here. So I, I, I was trying to take all the necessary precautions or measures to ensure that in the unfortunate event that I do not get protection, I would still be safe if I were to go back home. As a result of that, I gave folks here the name Sebastian instead of Shevin because I didn't want people to go on my social media and for there to be too much of a queer presence on my social media. And especially as an individual who is coming from somewhere like Jamaica, which is so homophobic, and as an individual who is not necessarily used to speaking about my sexual orientation uh, or identity openly, of course, you can imagine there may have been some amount of internalized homophobia taking place at that point in time when I decided to share an alternative name than the one that was given. So people from Jamaica would know me as Shevin. While people here would oftentimes refer to me as Sebastian Comic. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that, um, yeah, names, like in general, names tell a story. And your name tells, in a lot of ways, like your story of coming to Canada and like what brought you here and like personal safety and like mental and social safety. And it's so like, it's it's so layered. And so in the same vein, 
we would love if you could share how your career has evolved over time. And I'm sure it's really taken a huge leap from 2015, like, and pre 2015, but how did you, you know, end up working at the 519? Ooh. Okay. So as I mentioned earlier, I moved here as a refugee claimant in 2015. And when I moved here, one of the first organizations I learned about that could provide support was the 519. So it was the first organization I, um, I had any contact or communication with when it comes to seeking um, settlement, uh, refugee and newcomer, refugee and settlement support here. So I went to the 519 and I registered to access newcomer support services. I was called in for an orientation. I did the orientation. And while at the orientation or within the, the general 519 space, weirdly or oddly enough, it felt like home. I'd never been to this space before, but it, it's, it, it was such a, a core affirming space that even with someone who struggles with their sexual identity as myself prior to now, I found it comfortable being in that space. So I decided to start volunteering uh, with the organization. So I moved there in August, registered or attended a newcomer orientation in September, started volunteering in February as a newcomer orientation facilitator where I provide information to folks in a similar situation as myself um, on how to navigate life here in Canada and where they can find some of the more, more almost useful resources for whatever they're experiencing. Um, so I started volunteering and uh, then I was told that there's an opportunity and um, they'd like for me to apply for it. And this is one of the persons or my social worker, if you want to put it that way, told me that they, there's an opportunity and they'd like for me to apply for it if I'm interested. So I applied to work on the front desk as a community engagement and support staff. No, this role was completely or, or linked to my previous employment in Jamaica. Because in Jamaica, I worked in the hotel and restaurant um, industry or hospitality management industry. And I did front desk, front of house, concierge. So I was like well-equipped to take on this, this, this opportunity. So I did that. While at the front desk, I learned um, about other opportunities that are available at the 519. And I continued to apply. And um, there were some lateral moves as, as, as well as there were some upward movements um, throughout my applications. So working at the front desk gave me an opportunity to interact with community, firsthand with community and learn of some of the issues, some of the needs, some of the challenges that they face, and to see how best I could support individuals here. As soon as I, I, I left the front desk, I became a newcomer services program assistant at the 519. I started working more closely with newcomers. Um, I would still provide orientation, um, do an intake or do intakes with clients and assist them with various forms of application from applying to legal aid, to applying for a visa or travel document and the likes, permanent residence, citizenship, and so forth. I did that role for about a year and a half. Then something else became available. And I think this was in, uh, in 2020, at the onset of the pandemic. Clearly, everyone was, almost everything was shut down and everyone had to, to reimagine what work looked like for them. And so my role changed at that point from being newcomer services program assistant to coordinate uh, essential services. So I was coordinating essential settlement support services. I did that for about six months, after which another opportunity came for me to um, be employed in a different role. And uh, I applied for that. And then I was successful in um, getting the position as coordinator settlement support and outreach 
from there, I, I started doing my studies in paralegal studies. Um, actually, I did those in 2019. I did my paralegal studies, started in 2018 and graduated in 2019. That then equipped me after my role as coordinator of settlement support and outreach to apply for yet another position where I'd be coordinating legal initiatives, settlement support and outreach. I did that job from in, for some time, after which another opportunity came up to be co- uh, manager of programs and services here or programs and operations. That was earlier this year. I, pl- I applied and I was successful for, the, um, for that. And uh, Subsequent to that, I applied again to be uh, manager of the, the, the role that I'm currently employed in, and that's uh, manager of legal initiatives here at the 519. I know that was a long-winded way of saying the things that I've done, but I just felt like it would be useful to highlight those things in, in that particular sequence. No, thank you so much for taking us through it. It's so interesting to look back at how everything started. Like You literally... We're on the other side of the orientation, and now you're <laughs> the manager of legal initiatives. Like it's such a neat trajectory, and I think it's important to fill in all those gaps because you know when you look at it, you're like, okay, so how did how did you get there? How did you come here? You know, being in the position that you now help others in uh, to get to the role that you're in now. So thank you for taking the time to go through all of that for us and for our listeners who can then you know, think about how all of these things fall into place and, and, you know, the time that it takes, it's not, you know, just overnight. Um, it takes a lot of, you know, time and hard work. So one of the key things is that you, um, studied to become a paralegal. Um, so can you tell us a bit more about the decision to, to become a paralegal? Because at that time you were already working at the 519, correct? Yes. Great question. Thank you. So I've always been interested in the legal field. Um, this was inspired by my grandmother. Like growing up, I saw the staple that she was in the community when it comes to accessing or navigating the legal system for community members. So that was an inspiration for me. However, uh, I did not have the opportunity to pursue this studies in Jamaica. So when I moved here, I was speaking with a friend of mine who is uh, a practicing um, immigration and refugee lawyer here in, in, in Ontario. I expressed my desire to, 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 to be a lawyer and we spoke at length about my interests and the reason I wanted to do this. And then he suggested that I pursue paralegal studies as this would give me an opportunity to dip my feet in the legal waters and then I'd be able to use that to determine if this is something that I'm actually interested in. So of course, I, I pursued my studies in, in 2018 and um, it's something I enjoyed thoroughly. I graduated 2019 as student of the year, and this was amazing for me because this is something that I was just entering into this field, and to be graduating as student of the year was almost like one of those things that say, yes, you're on the right path, continue. You can get what you want. So that's how I ended up in um, becoming a paralegal. That's so interesting, Shevin. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about like the legal initiatives and legal programming that you oversee at the 519 and how you use, you know, all of your different skills and experience, like in hospitality and as a paralegal. And like, I just think to myself, like, wow, the legal profession definitely needs to continue to grow and be more hospitable. So what a better person to have in the legal profession than you, someone with a hospitality background, 
I feel like all, Erin, I feel like all lawyers need to go and work in hospitality and the legal profession would be a friendlier, more like better place. This is, you know what, Shevin, I think you have a niche and we can carve out a niche for you and you can run like a hospitality legal training. We'll talk. Well, this is, this is my off the cuff idea, but in the meantime, I guess at the 519, what kind of programming and initiatives are you overseeing and running and implementing? Well, um, I like your idea around um, hospitality and the law. And yeah, we will definitely talk about that. Well, here at the 519, um, as I mentioned, I manage legal initiatives. And it's a host of programs that we have um, dedicated specifically to the uh, members of the marginalized communities that we serve. And as you may be aware, the 519 is an organization that is committed to the health, happiness, and full participation of the 2SLGBTQ communities in Toronto and beyond. Uh, we strive to make a real difference in people's lives while we work to promote inclusion, understanding, and respect. Now, back to the legal initiatives that we offer here. As you may be aware, the uh, the legal community and, and, and the queer community or law and the, the queer community so intertwined because as queer individuals, it's, we will always have legal matters or legal systems and legal issues to navigate. And we recognize that here at the 519. So we have various programs and services that are of a legal nature. For example, we have public legal education sessions. These are generally geared towards bridging whatever gaps or trends we see in community that's, that's, that's raising an ugly head. For example, we may realize that there are um, provincial detention centers um, being used to host um, immigrants or migrants here in Ontario. And we recognize this as an issue and something that we want to highlight. So we try to bring awareness of these various issues. So that's in one way, as I mentioned, public legal education. At this point, we recognize the different communities we serve. We have people who are immigrants, and some folks just do not know how to navigate various legal systems. So legal education is focused somewhat on how and what to take into, con into consideration when protesting and counter-protesting. What are some of the things when it comes to housing law that folks need to be need some amount of advocacy help with? We have criminal law. So those are some of the things under the public legal education umbrella that we do. We also have various legal clinics ranging from family law to um, immigration and refugee law, employment law. We also have trans ID clinics. So these are for individuals who are part of the trans community who may be interested in having a name change or their gender marker change. We provide assistance to individuals um, through that. We also have, yeah, so let me go back to the public legal education, the legal clinics. We have a notary clinic. We also have um, casework and community support to various individuals who are navigating the legal and the immigration systems here. So those are a few of the things that we have thus far, and we are actively working on expanding our offerings. Um, we have so much in the pipeline that I'm pretty excited about, and at this point, I suppose we just have to wait and see. <laughs> that is amazing. And uh, as some people may know, I do uh, refugee law and I do immigration detention reviews. So I represent people who are being held in detention centers. And it's so amazing to have 
community support like the 519 because I can only do so much to help my clients. And it's so helpful when there's amazing opportunities in the in the community to refer them to uh, so that they can have help and support because their one legal issue is not the whole thing, like their whole person, their whole being. They have so many other facets of their life that they need help with. Like you mentioned, there's so many different areas of health and even different legal issues and uh, different uh, community supports that they need when they are going through these processes. So it's so neat to hear about what sort of initiatives that you guys have going on right now. Great, thank you. And and just to add to that, speaking of community resources, um, one of the main things that I also wanna highlight here, and this is something that I felt like I would have been able to benefit from when I moved here um, back in 2015, we currently have um, what is called our Refugee Mock Hearing Program. So for individuals who are 2SL, not 2S, but LGBTQ refugee claimants, we have individualized um, mock hearing for those individuals. So if they have a hearing coming up, let's say within 30 to 60 days from now, and they reach out expressing a desire to have support, we would do a mock hearing with them where we go through their evidence, we go through things just to check to see what's happening and provide whatever support we can throughout that. And of course, whilst doing this, we are fully cognizant of the fact that we are not providing legal advice, but just recommendations and, and legal education. Oftentimes, when we give these feedbacks, we recommend that individuals have conversation with their lawyer um, to determine, or their legal representative to determine how best they want to testify in, 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 in these things. No, that's amazing and so important because it is such a difficult thing to go through, as you know, you know, trying to unpack everything that's happened to you and why you're afraid. Um, That's a pretty big moment in your life. So to have mock opportunities to get another perspective, to have support, to feel heard during that process is, is just so amazing. So thank you for the work that you do because it's, it's really amazing. So you have served in a few different roles, which we've heard about at the 519. I keep wanting to say 519, so my apologies. Honestly, 519. So like I've said this in many other episodes, Aaron and I like type to each other throughout each episode to kind of see where the episode's going to go. And you started calling it the 519. And I said to Aaron, we've recorded an episode with Pam Hrick before, who's the chair of the board. And we called it the 519, the entire episode. If people want to go back and fact check us on that. So now we're sitting here being like, oh you mean the 519, you, you said 519. Oh, now. sorry. We now called, we're getting confused. Now we're getting so confused. We called it the 519. This whole time I've been like, oh, the 519, the 519, the 519. But you're telling us it's the 519. Yes, it's a 519. We never really tried to say it's not five one, it's not five one nine, it's five nineteen. But we, we'll subtly tell you it's the five nineteen. Okay, so okay. Well you subtly tell us that. And I know Aaron was just asking you a thoughtful question, but I have a less thoughtful question. Um, which is what what is and I'm sorry if it's like so self-explanatory and I'm just completely out to lunch. What what does 519 mean? I'm sure it represents something super meaningful, and I feel so embarrassed that I'm asking this. Well, I'm probably a little bit embarrassed to be giving you this response, but we are at 519 Church Street. So my understanding is we got the name from 
519 51923. I'm dying. Oh my gosh, I'm so, <laughs> so dying. relieved. I'm, just, I'm so relieved that that's the answer. Like here I was thinking you were gonna tell me about some like massive historic event that I didn't know about, and then I was gonna have to go and like go like I I just wow, I'm I'm simultaneously relieved and embarrassed that I didn't know it was that simple. So, anyways, Aaron, back to you. <laughs> I'm never letting this. I love this. I absolutely <laughs> Okay, so while while you were at 519, you went to a few different positions and in different roles. What have you learned throughout these transitions? Okay. I what have I learned throughout the trans um, throughout my various transitions at the 519 is that there's always more to give and I always have the capacity to support. Um, there are times when Individuals will show up to us and we may believe that this is not necessarily something that is directly linked to the kind of work that we're doing. But the mere fact that we can provide a referral to various community resources and services that can assist individuals, um, this is something that's useful and this is some ideally what individuals generally are running towards us for. And also from the words of John Wellesley where he said, do all the, th- do all the good you can to all the people you can at all the times you can, in all the places you can, as long as ever you can. I'm sure that's an edited quote, but you, you get the gist of it. Today, I do my best to live up to that ideal. There was a time when I did not think that I would be working in this field, as in working so closely with queer communities. But having worked directly or having gone through refugee um, process, I've learned that there are times when you have to call on individuals for support. And this is, some, this is what I continue to learn as I go by, that we must always be willing to call on the supports or utilize the support that's available to us. There, I've also learned that there are lots of gaps that exist within the various minority communities that we serve. And we must do our best to advance our advocacy um, as we strive to ensure that no one is left behind. Shevin, that's absolutely amazing. And so you, like, it's so clear from just, like, the aura you're giving off, the energy you give off, and from all of your stories so far that, like, you do exactly what that quote encompasses. Like, you put so much good out into the world, and you're driven by doing good and like helping your community and so many people who are like running from something or running towards something, as you said. And I guess I'm curious, like in a role that you're in the role that you're in right now and the various roles you've had at the 519 and working at an organization where you're working with so many, you know, people who are facing different challenges and hardships and come from vulnerable communities how do you take care of you when you're taking care of so many other people? How do you take care of your mental health and, and just yourself on, on a daily basis? Because I can only imagine, I really, like, I probably can't even imagine saying that I can't imagine is just such a stretch. I can't imagine what your experience was like coming here as a refugee claimant. And now like that experience in and of itself, and now being in a position to help people, I'm sure it just hasn't been this this Hallmark movie. So how do you take care of you so that you're able to, if you so choose, keep doing this kind of work for a really long time? I mean, indeed, it's not, um, did you say a Hallmark movie? Indeed, it's not. It's sometimes more of a 
a dream, like a, a nightmare sometimes when you are um, navigating these, uh, these, these system or this kind of work or helping people who, who are trying to navigate the, these various systems. Um, some of the things that I do to take care of myself um, is I remind myself that I need to be full before I can comfortably and sustainably pour into, into, other, into other people. So I try to ensure that I have the things that's needed for me to be able to fully engage and support. I, I also try to do this by acknowledging my limitation and remind myself to operate within the parameters established um, by my place of employment and by my own values. Um, so that's, that's another way I, I take care of my mental health. I'm a lover of nature, always willing to go outside. So I always go on long walks, maybe like close to the water or going for a hike. And I love riding too, riding a um, bicycle. I, I've also been working with a therapist and this only started since I moved here to, to Canada because mental health is not necessarily something that we fo- what I would focus on very much back home after all. Who had money to take care of mental health then? So um, at this point, I go and I see my therapist regularly. So that's one way I, I do that. And being in Canada where I am technically by myself in terms of um, with family or so forth, I have to rely heavily on chosen family. So when it comes to um, like um, notable holidays, I, I tend to gather with family members or chosen family members. And I'm almost always in the office even when I can work from home, because the office also provides that space where my mental health feels like it's in, it's in a good place when I'm here. So those are some of the ways I take care of my mental health. Thank you for sharing. I really appreciate hearing how you're able to take care of yourself and so happy to hear that you've found some systems that work for you because hopefully you'll be in this profession for a really long time. And I was, as we mentioned, we write notes and um, I said, I hope he becomes a lawyer and I can hire him. <laughs> so I hope that you stick around <laughs> for a very long time. I'm sorry, 519. I've got my eyes on Shevin. Um, but we asked this question to a lot of people, but I think you probably gave the most interesting answer. Sorry to all our previous guests. But we often ask the question, what is your favorite part of your daily life? And I just really liked um, what you shared for that. Thank you. The favorite part of my daily life is seeing and hearing responses from community members who've benefited greatly from our services. Um, example of the services that you may benefit from is through our various legal clinics. It could be through our public legal education session or trans ID clinic, notary clinic, and so forth. Um, so those are some of the ones that they benefit from. Another thing that um, that's uh, uh, that would be considered one of the, uh, my favorites throughout my my life or my day day to day life is seeing how enthused volunteers are in working to promote inclusion, understanding, and respect for and among or to us LGBTQI plus communities in Toronto and beyond, and. Yeah, that just brings me so much joy because I can see the benefit of people. I, I can see on their faces and it just warms my heart when they come back. There are times when people would come and probably be on their knees saying thank you. I mean, it's, it's quite humbling to see that, but clearly I don't want someone to be on their knee expressing their gratitude. But when you see the impact that you have on someone's life, uh, there's nothing else I need than that to know that my work is done. 
So those are some of the things I rely on. Another thing that also brings me joy is working on programs that specifically protect and advance the rights of folks who are at the intersections of race, gender identities, gender expression, immigration status, and sexual orientation. Of course, recognizing that these are individuals who are newcomers and are in precarious immigration and otherwise situations, I try my best to help. So that's also one of the things that bring me joy. And lastly, is just, just leaving work, be it physical space or the virtual space, is just leaving work to engage in self-care activities, whatever that may look like. It could be going walking, it could be whatever bad habit that I have and it just serves me at that moment. Yeah, when I leave work and engage in my self-care activities or self-indulge, knowing very well that I fully committed myself to all my responsibilities for the day, there's nothing that feels better than that. Oh my gosh, Kevin, I need to, I need a lesson. I need like to be, I literally, I, I'm looking at my to-do list for tonight and I'm like, oh, I, I would love, I want to walk away from this. And somehow it's just, Aaron and I talk about this sometimes. Sometimes it's just so hard to like make yourself walk away from it. And I think like, it sounds like you have such a healthy relationship with, and I obviously don't want to like um, speak of something I don't know anything about in terms of like your, you know, your relationship with work, but it sounds like you just have such a healthy relationship with work and with like doing good and then also doing good for you. And I just think that's so wonderful. (laughs) I mean, well, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I think, you know, a lot of things are easier said than done. I fully recognize this. So for anyone that's listening, I understand the struggles that you may be experiencing when it comes, when it comes to, be it taking care of your mental health or even fully identifying what you do when you leave work, um, that may be difficult. So I had to put in work to do that, still putting in the work. And as I mentioned, it's easier said than done. There are times when I leave work and I go home and yes. (laughs) (laughs) I totally understand. So Kevin, we were wondering, because you have like, um, you have a very different vantage point of the legal profession than so many of the guests that we've had on. You work with community organization, you have your paralegal um, license, and also you have experienced like the legalities of coming to Canada yourself. And so as someone who has seen the law now from so many different vantage points and then continues to work within it on a daily basis, what are some things you personally think need to change in the legal profession? What are some things I think need to change in the legal profession? For one, I'd like to see the profession be more reflective of the individuals we serve. I'd like for it to be a little bit more diverse and inclusive of the various communities we serve, be it from racial or ethnic standpoint, sexuality or gender standpoint. Um, These are some of the things that I'd love to see change. I recognize fully how Lots of different sectors are putting a great effort into ensure that they're diverse and reflective of the communities they serve. We can think about choosing to use individuals' gender and pronouns and ensuring that your space is, is, is respectful and affirming, affirming of such. This seems to be something that is slowly trickling to the legal field. And I think that it's something that I'd love to see changed for it to be more reflective and inclusive, as I mentioned. I'd also like to see um, where a bit more focus is placed on restorative justice. 
fully recognizing too that there are individuals and communities that may not that it's not a one broad brush that paints everything there are individual communities that need individual things for them to feel like there's justice and i'd love for 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 us as members of the profession to take a a more critical look at how we can um, put a greater focus on on restorative justice i think there's also a need for more inclusive and affirming legal spaces or services for queer for members of the queer racialized community I mean, I, I highlighted earlier it needs to be more inclusive and diverse, but then I think there needs to be specific attention focused on supporting individuals of diverse racial makeup. So these are a few of the things that I would change if I could, or that I would encourage folks who can make that change to push for that change. Have, I have a sneaking suspicion that um, we're right now, like you're you're already making such a huge impact in like the community that like the 519 serves. But I have a suspicion, Erin, that um, right now we have Shevin on the podcast and like in a few years, people are gonna be like, oh yeah, like Shevin, he's he's the guy shaking up the legal profession. And I feel like we're gonna be like, oh, we knew him when. And we're gonna be like, you know, the little people watching you like do all of this impactful stuff in the legal profession and beyond and like making these safer spaces and disrupting spaces by um like forcing them in like a really positive way like being bold to be more inclusive and to shake things up and i for one am so excited to see it happen and if you do if you do choose this is me being a little you know getting ahead of the game but if you do choose to go to law school um, any law school would be so lucky to have you. And moreover, any like firm looking to actually put their money where their mouth is about diversity and inclusion and bringing people in with like very different, like diverse views and experiences, like would just be so lucky to have you, um, on the team and like someone who really understands what so many different clients are going through. Well, Thank you so much for saying that. I'm blushing. Um, I, I, I wish the listeners could see my face turning pink at the cheeks. But thank you so much for saying that. Um, I think you, you, you made mention of, you mentioned something I want to correct you. You mentioned if you choose to go to law school, but I'd like to say not if, but when. So that's it. Thank you. Definitely when. Definitely when. We're excited. And I'm sure you have so many people supporting you in your corner in that pathway, but if you ever want or need additional support, I know that Erin and I would be happy to help in any way we can. And I'm sure there are so many people listening right now that are like, how do we get Shevin to law school? So hundred percent, we're so excited for you. Well, thank you. I mean, the future is so bright right now. I feel like I need sunglasses. So <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Oh my God. That is my new favorite seeing. This is the energy that we all need in our lives. Like the future yeah. is so bright. We all need sunglasses. That is energy that I want to take into my life as well. That's 2023 energy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so we have so enjoyed this. We honestly would talk your ear off and have this podcast go on for hours if we could, but we always like to end the podcast with the same question 
which is what is something new that you've learned recently? And it doesn't have to be law related or work related, but we always just love to hear what people have been learning recently because it's always so cool to hear what people have been up to. And for context, like one time, um, one of our amazing guests, Amy Groove, told us a fact about Kiwis. So like it really can be anything. Okay, that's good to know. Um, I'm always learning, right? Life is all about learning. So it's very hard for me to even highlight exactly what is it. Or not for me to highlight, but it's hard for me to pinpoint exactly what I'd want to highlight. Um, I think the most exciting thing that I'm learning now are two things. One, I'm reading this book, Dealing with People You Can't Stand. It is so helpful. It's like teaching me various ways or various strategies of engaging people in different ways. For example, there may be the tanks or the grenades or the no person or maybe or the yes person. So I'm learning different ways of engaging with these individuals. And on a more personal note, I'm learning chess. Oh my God. Why did I not learn this before? So this is something that my partner purchased a chessboard for me along with a book that I need to read on like chess for beginners. Clearly a beginner. Um, so I'm learning that, learning the moves of the pieces and everything. And that's the thing I'm most excited about learning at this point. Oh my God. Okay. I love that. Okay. So my fiance is also a Leo and he is also obsessed with chess. And he has the, it must be a Leo thing. They He has a little app too I don't know if you have the app yeah I do it is on his phone all the time playing that game oh my gosh I have no I can't like he tries to play me sometimes but I'm like terrible I do not have the app I don't even know what half the pieces do so like I'm really really not advanced in my chess game but yeah I, I know all about the chess adventures I mean, I, I, I get your point on that. I think how I approach chess is how I approach singing. I cannot sing to save my life, but I love it. And chess, I'm learning now. So I feel like, yeah, I want to play as much as I can. So it's one of those things I'm very sure I'm not good at it, but I'm learning. So that's what I'm learning. That's amazing. And that's such a good lesson for all things in life that, you know, sometimes we like there are things that we can love that we might not be very good at, but we keep trying and we keep investing our time and our energy in these things because we enjoy them and that's what matters. And that's what life and learning are all about. So Chevin, thank you so much for joining us today. This was such a treat and infused so much joy into our, into our life. We are going to link all of the ways that people can support the 519 in the episode notes. So for anyone curious or who wants to learn more about the programs or how to become a volunteer lawyer with the 519, um, please, please, please go look in the show notes for ways that you can get involved. Or if you want to get in contact with Shevin, um, his information is there as well. Thank you so much for being here with us today. It's my pleasure, um, Piper and Erin. I was pretty excited to know that you reached out to me. Um, I was like, oh, what is that I'm giving why they would want to reach out to me? But I'm happy to know that we had this conversation. I felt comfortable in your presence discussing this. And I'm looking forward to continuously um, or maintaining communication or contact with you. And when I become a lawyer, you are not going to be the little people like you said earlier. No you will be one of those individuals who contributed to, to the advancement of, of, of whatever I'm experiencing and whatever benefits the, profe um, the profession is experiencing from, from me. Shevin, that's 
thoughtful. And I think that we should have a Shevin series. So you're going to come back on the podcast when you start law school and then you'll come back on the podcast, you know, when you start articling and then you'll come back on the podcast when you become an associate and then you're like running the world. And I think we're going to have like, this is this podcast. I'm, I'm not joking. Like we're like, we're fully being hundred percent serious. Like we want to see, this is so cool. We're going to get to follow, you know, someone, if you're willing to participate at every stage in their legal career, <laughs> here I am being like, we're doing this series on Chevin, by the way, if you feel like it, but you know, in addition to like the hospitality lawyer business, we can talk about this off, off the recording, but I think it's such a cool idea. And we are just regardless so excited to cheer you on at every stage of your career and this has been a real treat so thank you again thank you the pleasure is all thanks for joining us for this episode to stay up to date with the podcast follow us on instagram at off the tracks podcast be sure to subscribe on your favorite listening platform for a brand new episode of off the tracks podcast every tuesday 